Coming at you guys with uh, a second installment in our three-part series on work, wilderness, and worship. Uh, today we have Corey Smith, founding, co-founding director of Training Ground, back in the studio with us, as well as Lee, director of operations for Training Ground. What's up, guys? Not much. How are you doing? It's great to be here with you guys. Yeah, really excited to have you guys and to talk about worship today um, and kind of what we view, how we view worship maybe in training ground and also just what we think worship means. Yeah, it's a great, <clears throat> great question, Nick, especially uh, with it being the three pillars, uh, if you will, of training ground. It's important to kind of give a little bit of color and definition to this idea of worship. Um, it's uh, kind of if we were to define that part of the program and what we offer is uh, it's a pretty large part in terms of all the intentional teaching that we offer. Um, it's also, it is traditional worship, um, and Bible study, just like you could expect in any other type of discipleship program. Mm-hmm. But, um, in, in this context, um, we like to kind of lean on the Romans 12, one of that. Your life is, um, your act is your spiritual act of worship. Yeah. And <clears throat> so what that means is, you know, on a, on a nuts and bolts level in the program of training ground, uh, you know, is the, the topical teaching. It is the life stories that are shared, the practical training, the um, kind of the uh, just at the, the gut level of kind of the training and teaching that we offer uh, in the program. That's really great. Um, to kind of expand on that, when people, when most people hear the word worship, you know, the f- immediate thought that comes to mind is Sunday morning at church, you know, singing songs for 30 minutes before a sermon and that's it. Right. Um, Lee, Corey, what, you guys want to give us some light really on like what worship means to you guys? I heard this rabbi one time talking about the Ten Commandments and he, he was just saying that they're not really Ten Commandments. They're actually the Ten Characteristics of what pe- God's people should be doing and how they should be living. Mm-hmm. So in, in light of that, if you think about those things that we were t- taught on how to worship God and not have other idols, you know, those characteristics are things that, that I feel like if I adopt those things in my daily life, as I interact with people, uh, as I buy groceries, um, even for me, like if I go to a hotel, I try to leave the hotel clean. Right. Why? Well, because in, in some ways, uh, that lady who's coming in there that I'll never meet, she'll look at that room and like, maybe today could be good. Right. Maybe, maybe God could be good. And if they believe in good things and, you know, so, so for me, worship involves every interaction like someone cut me off this morning you know what do i do how do i worship god in that moment how do i represent to that person that god is real that love is real uh that goodness is real it's by waving and smiling and like everything's okay so you guys make the argument that worship is not just that 30 minutes in the morning on sundays worship is a a, a lifestyle it's a way of life it's a mindset almost yeah and i would i would probably say uh, the words that come to my mind or is is what is my heart posture and there was mm-hmm. I- in that um, you know in that board meeting in you know the time in the office or even in conversation like um, there is a place that like where is my heart w- is my heart in a place of worship mm-hmm. um, and I also think it's um, a positional thing meaning you know one of um, 
the books that we send out the guys before they come into the program is um, called Life of the Beloved by Henry Nowen. And there is a positional place that you put yourself in as God's beloved. And so even in that mindset, I believe living from that place is a place of worship. Okay. So before I mentioned the beloved, you know, the Bible talks that we are the bride of Christ. <laughs> right. <clears throat> a beautiful, gracious woman brings honor to her husband. Uh-huh. You know, like someone could look at a beautiful wife that's healthy and full and vibrant and say, she must have a great husband. Right. Or he must, you know, it's a worship. It brings worship to God by, by us being and acting like the beloved. Right. So it, it, it's really an outward just way of life. Like, which brings me into wondering, obviously the three pillars of training ground are work, wilderness, and worship. We talked about wilderness already and how, the, how it's important. But let's expand on well, on worship. Um, why is that a pillar of training ground? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> in the idea, we uh, if you kind of step back a little bit and look at the 360 view of training ground, our real hope is to be able to kind of train and teach the whole man, meaning we want to train and teach and guide and lead in ways of our emotions, our relationships, uh, our, the practical um you know, needs of a man, but also that spiritual vein, kind of that spiritual foundation. And, and, and that's what we're really talking about. I mean, you can check it out on our website. We've got um, some sample teachings that are in our video series. But all of those line up because we're trying to lay a spiritual foundation. And the main reason is that, um, you know, I, I, we believe that in your early 20s, you really are coming to a place of ownership in your own faith, which, which means you're, you're stepping out from underneath your parents' kind of authority and covering and then you are um you are creating your own way spiritually like you're owning your convictions you're owning your theology you're owning what you believe and what drives you and so in that process that's where we like to come along and stand next to a young man and go hey let's help you you know develop your belief systems your world perspective um things you know obviously we have teaching on things like calling and the Holy Spirit, and we have a weekly Bible study. All of those are intentionally focused on developing the, sp- the spiritual side of a young man. Right. And so that we feel like that's super crucial. I mean, it's and it could be the core of what we do, even on a practical level. We do, obviously, the wilderness and the work stuff, but those are only, those are incomplete if we're not going after the worship piece. Right. If that makes sense. Um, Lee, you, obviously, for those who don't know, uh, Lee, Lee's home here in Colorado Springs is the house where the training ground guys stay for the summer. Um, and so Lee gets to spend a lot of time with the guys just by default because we live together. So over the years, um, what are some ways that you've seen worship play out in programs and, and what it looks like for different guys and how it's played played out? You know, um, it, this will overlap with, all, with the other pillars as well um, because uh, – like how many times we had a guy that has been on the uh, on the river, and just been in that creation, right? And since the indelible handiwork of God, mm-hmm. and in 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 that moment, come to know Him in a, in a deeper way, you know, or at work, you know, when they're weeding for six or seven hours and trying to figure it all out, and just fed up with it, and they they turn to God, and in that moment, He provides them with peace or his presence, you right. know, it, it, uh, yeah, it, it expresses itself a lot that way. I, I think just hitting a little bit more on what Corey says, I think a lot of guys come to us, uh, where they have been made to go to church 
Yeah. You know? It's my parents' faith by default. Yeah. yeah. And not that they're bad guys or their families are bad, but they just haven't had the experience or challenge to integrate their faith and how to worship God in their daily lives. Those two things are separate. And so I think a lot of what Train Ground does in the worship aspect is try to integrate their relationship with God into everything that we do and, and to model that and, and hopefully challenge guys to, to lead with that mentality. Yeah, I also want to speak to the part about, um, you know, uh, I just talked about um, young men coming to a place of ownership of their own faith. And I think, you know, I like to think of training as kind of like a buffet of spiritual training where you get to take what you want and build your belief system. We're not necessarily telling you specifically, this is what you should believe. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do is, but we're trying to actually help you figure that out on your own because you're going to leave training ground and you're going to have to figure out your life after this type of experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, we like to kind of put into as much as we can into practice are um, this idea of spiritual disciplines, meaning like we, we get some of the best people to teach you how to study the Bible on your own. Like we teach you disciplines like solitude and journaling and reflective conversation and listening prayer. All of these things are built so that you have the tools after the program to build your faith. Yeah. Not, I mean, your faith will get built in the program, but really the, the real fruit, the real hope the real end result is that long term, you get to be able to use those tools, whether it's in your future marriage, your future job, your future parenting, your future church, community. Um, all of those aspects are what we want to train you for. Yeah, I hear that. And it kind of ma- brings reality. Everyone listen, people listening to this podcast right now, not everyone listening has gone to training ground. You know, hopefully the majority haven't, to be honest. And, so break down kind of what it looks like practically for a young man to worship. What should worship look like in his life for that guy who hasn't gone through the work that we've gone through this summer? Yeah, I would say on, you know, kind of a ground level for a young man. Um, I think just the fact that a young man would be an- asking that question puts their heart in the right place. It's a, kind of one of those things where when you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. Uh-huh. Okay, so, you know, we and we've talked about this before that the, you know, the two things that we look for the most in um, prospective participants is um, a hunger for change, right? A hunger to be transformed, healed, redeemed, whatever language you want to use there, and to look at a young man's story in terms of does this fit? Is he at a place of transition or does God have him in a season of training? Um, and I think for a young man, it again, I think it does go back to just if you were going to train for a marathon, what would your plan be? Like what intentionality would you bring to your life? Right. And how many, how much are you willing to, to sacrifice, right. To be able to run a full marathon. Right. I mean, how many months of training? So even in that context, when you, as as a young man, You've got to answer the question, what kind of, what do I want my spiritual life to look like? Right. Now you may, the easiest way to actually see that is to be around other older men and you can grab from other older men pieces. Like you can say like, I want a marriage like that, or I want a parent like that, or I want to study the word like that, or I want to worship like that, or I want to be a leader in the church like that. Those are all things that you can pull from older men, but I don't think, um, 
it's not a solo project for sure. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you guys know that from a tr the, the training ground perspective is that there's 40, 50 mentors that come in and that you guys get to pick those parts that you want to own in your own life, right. if that makes sense. So, you know, for you, it's like, man, I, I mean, every guy I think graduates training ground with a different plan forward spiritually, meaning mm -hmm. like some guys are like, man, I, I need to. I need to really set aside time or I need to get up earlier and spend time with God. Like I need to be disciplined in that area or I need to, you know, I, maybe I need to go back to school and learn more about the Bible or maybe I, you know, need to go be a part of a worship team at, at my church or, you know, there's all these kind of action steps that need to happen. But two things, one, they happen intentionally and two, they're, they're not solo. Right. So if I could just say a little bit more about the intentionality and how that doesn't happen in a, in a solo way with training ground. Uh, and you'll remember back to your summer, both uh, Nick and Luke, um, going with Paul Penley as a Bible teacher, there's an element of that where he was trying to mine for the stuff that was real in your faith. Right. And anything that wasn't real, he's kind of tr trying to get rid of. But then you're also exposed to other teachers that uh, spoke on the Holy Spirit um, in other summers, we've had uh, a, a gal named Joni Zepp come in and talk about heart art. Um, and then we challenge you every Sunday to, to go to a different church. Mm -hmm. You know, like a lot of guys that come to the program have been to the same church their whole life, three times a week. They've never experienced a, a Baptist church or Presbyterian church or whatever. Um, and, and so quite intentionally, uh, we bring in those people and we and challenge you guys to uh, take a look at your faith and, and to explore other faiths as well. Right. For sure. Um, Luke, one thing about you that, that has really inspired me and, and our relationship and, and just knowing you is kind of your posture towards worship. Um, I've really been inspired in the way that, that you kind of do that. I've seen you take moments where it's like, oh, you know, I'm having a bad day or something. I'm going to take intentionally and just put myself in a place of worship. So walk us through a little bit of maybe your practical side of, of what worship looks like. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, growing up, my there there's like a lot of bitterness towards the church, um, and that like went into like bitterness towards worship. And then once my faith started becoming my own, I was like, God, why? Why do we worship? What like what is that? And this is more along the lines of worship, like musically. Uh -huh. um, and so I started kind of to seek him out in that way, started asking God these questions and started kind of researching. And, um, what I kind of gathered was like, we in one way or another, regardless if we like worship or not, we're actually constantly worshiping something. Mm -hmm. That's good. So, yeah, I mean, when it comes to, when it comes to just like having like a, just a super like weird day, like that's how I get through it is, mm -hmm switching the focus of my worship yeah i'm sure i've seen that in you and kind of for me the practical side that's played out is a lot of something i've learned recently um cory actually gave me some advice uh recently kind of about stewarding your body and that is kind of a form of worship um what i mean by that is the fact that like if you know that you have certain things to do you know say in the morning or whatever and then you stay up at night Till two or three in the morning watching movies. And then you wonder why, like this podcast, for example, why it's so difficult to record. Well, it's because you're not stewarding your body well. Yeah. And so something I've been trying to do is get myself into a routine of, okay, I'm going to go to bed at this time. But before <coughs> I go to bed, 
I'm going to intentionally spend this amount of time with God intentionally, mm-hmm. like not with any other motive, not with like a devotion, nothing, just I'm going to spend time with him. And that's a form of worship. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's changed my life is making an entire body change versus just that time in the morning or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it's a whole routine of stewarding my body. And that is in a form of worship that I've been really trying to figure out. And like, wh- what's the fruit of that? Like how oh, do you, like, how much better do you feel? Like, yeah, you know? I feel better. I, I'm more focused, more clear. God is interacting with me and it's, it really is a night and day difference. Exactly. Sure. Um, that's why I love worship so much. Yeah. Because it's that, it, it might not be like immediate, but then, I mean, after whether you make it a discipline or whether it's right then and there, it's night and day. Right. So, and Corey and Lee, in your life specifically, just personally in your walk, what is what does your practical worship look like? Uh, for me, I, you know, part of worship is acknowledgement, you know, and if I can acknowledge God in every moment, um, you know, and for me, it, sometimes it just means sitting down and taking a few breaths and, you know, just sensing his presence mm-hmm. right away. Um, I, I was I was at uh, a ministry and uh, it was a middle winter, kind of over class, cold, overcast, cold day. And I was walking towards our lake and I was just, just praying. I was like, Lord, it'd be great if you could reveal yourself to me. And, um, and I was like, wait a minute, 1200 acre lake and all these trees and, you know, it's just so beautiful. I'm like, you know, don't worry about it, God. It's, <laughs> you've done it. You know, I sent you, I feel you. And I went to turn to go into our dining room and it was kind of, like I said, overcast, it was a little cloudy and I couldn't see which keys I needed. So I stepped back out from the overhang and just then the clouds opened up over top of me, like you'd see in the movie right. and the light shone on me. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You, you didn't have to do that. You know, and so it's just, a sensing of presence for you. Just, it's like a realistic, just feel it. And yeah, be in it. and why? Why wouldn't God do that? Mm-hmm. God, God. Uh, it says in the in the New Testament, I forget the book, but it says that Jesus holds everything together by the power of His will. Right. Why would He not use everything in your environment um, to speak to you, to reveal Himself to you? Mm-hmm. I have a buddy. Every time he sees a deer, he just knows that God put that deer out there. For right. Him. Like I'm here. I have another buddy who's a runner, has done the Chicago Marathon like ten times. And one day he was just out running. The sky was clear as anything, and this raindrop came out of nowhere and hit him in the eye. He's just like, he's just like, how did that happen? You know, just he just he felt personally like God's revelation to him was that God was saying, "I'm here," mm-hmm. um, and it's that it's that simple. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I like the word um, Lee that you used there in terms of acknowledgement. Um, the two words that came really quick to my heart were um, were humble and grateful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Meaning if I, in in a certain situation, um, and this goes back to a little bit of kind of the life of the beloved, but if you know in that moment that you are acknowledging that God is your protection, he's your provision, and there is a submission in humility and in gratefulness in God's presence, then I believe then you are in a posture of worship. Or I am. I mean, that would be what I do. Wait, can you say that one more time? (laughs) I like that. Okay, well, I'm saying that if, if I can put my heart in a place that really trusts in the sovereignty of God's protection and provision, you know, and in, because of those knowing and acknowledging those things that I am grateful and I'm humble, then th- wherever I am, I mean, I can be out on the water, I can be with my family, I could be 
in the office, but when my heart enters into that place, <coughs> then I am at a place of worship. Mm. Like that, and it, it could be, there's no, there, you know, there's no specific context. There's no specific song. Because I think part of that, um, that there is an emotional aspect of worship. And no, I'm not necessarily offended a lot of people out there, but um, I like to think of my place of worship is being an emotional connection to God, meaning I am moved emotionally at just as much as I'm you know, moved when I'm in the presence of my wife or my children or my friends, that there is something there that, um, you know, moves me to a place of emotional connection. Um, and I think there's the place of worship as well. Yeah. I mean, because if we're, you know, we're, we're kind of dancing around this idea of like how are we in relationship with Christ and what is our posture in, re- in relationship and I think our posture in relationship is in the context of having a, a heart that is in the posture of worship. Right. Mm. So. Well, that's great. Um, yeah, that was a little bit of a look, I think, into the pillars of, of training ground worship. Corey Lee, do you guys have any f- closing thoughts you'd like to share? Or? I, I think that maybe we have over overproduced worship. Uh-huh. Like we have to have this big production yeah. you know to to be in the presence of God mm. but the reality for the believer is we make, we need to make the slightest movement towards him and he's there that's something mm-hmm. i have totally been been learning there's, it, you don't have to have music you don't have to have a platform or lights or some great order i mean slightest movement he's there some of the best worship mm-hmm. i've experienced recently has been by myself in my room right and some of that too is you guys know the old book um by brother lawrence about practicing the presence um and, you know, that book is about him washing dishes and experiencing the presence of God. Mm. And so I- even an encouragement to young men out there that maybe are studying for their finals or, you know, they're thinking about Christmas break or they're thinking about what are we doing next summer or um, you know, kind of wrapped up in, in certain things is that even in those moments, whether you're sitting at a library or a coffee shop, that there is a there is a place that you can practice inviting his presence into your presence. And, and I think that's worship. I mean, it is. I mean, it's inviting God into your, I mean, it's why we have work and we have wilderness is that we spend a lot of time inviting God into those places of work. We spend a lot of time inviting um, God into those places of wilderness because those are actually contexts that we live in, you know, outside of our Sunday morning church or our Wednesday night Bible study or, you know, whatever that is, or our Friday night small group. Um, you know, w- we are looking for God everywhere in every context and in every situation that we live in in our everyday lives and so i would say my encouragement would be is like just start inviting god into your life in inviting your your god into whatever it is um, that you're dealing with or uh, relationships or conversations even awkward situations that make you feel uncomfortable because i think those are a place that we can kind of find that posture of worship and allow and open our hearts to the the change that god wants to bring the, the reality of the invitation is he's already he's already there you know he's already there mm-hmm. and the 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 process of inviting him is just maybe part of that acknowledgement right uh for what is already true for sure for sure mm-hmm. well that was awesome guys um that was the second part in our series on work wilderness and worship uh thank you so much for for lee and Corey sitting down with us thanks for ryan hanging out in the studio um but yeah you know i'm um, don't forget to come follow us on at TG Garage Talks on Instagram. You know, you can find 
more information about who we are and also Training Ground at www.trainingground.com or www.tggaragesocks.com. You'll find us both on either one. They're linked together. Um, but yeah, I'm Nick. And I'm Luke. And this was uh, episode of The Garage. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.